Hi, this is Christy Bates, a minister and licensed professional counselor in Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to this episode of Brainspotting Mississippi. Brainspotting is a neuro-experiential model for healing and creative expansion developed initially by Dr. David Grant. As a therapist, I have been so grateful for the power and gentleness and efficiency of brain spotting to help my clients. As a minister, I am passionate about the fact that this is an anti-oppressive tool for helping people in my home state. That's what this podcast is all about. Today, I get to interview Paige Roberts whose credentials I will share with you at the top of the interview. But if you are an athlete or someone who loves an athlete, any age, any level, anywhere in the world, you may want to pay particular attention to this episode. Paige also, I will just let you know, has, a, has an upcoming training for those interested in learning to do brain spotting um, for athletes. The first is Advances in Sports Psychology Phase 1. That's happening on March 4th and 5th online, a two-day training. And then Advances in Sports Psychology Phase 2 is being offered on April 1st and 2nd of 2022. You can get the information about those by going to robertsneurotraining.com events. For now, we'll go ahead and get into this episode with Paige, which is so full of information (laughs) and so much of it um, outside of my realm of typical practice that I'm not even going to try to introduce it. I'm just going to let you get into the meat of it. It's so good, so enjoyable, such good information. Um, And also, even if you are not, um, if you don't think of yourself as somebody who specializes in um, treating athletes, This is still important information. We all come across people who are athletes, even if it's just on the weekends, and we can help them a great deal by applying brain spotting to um, sports injuries, um, uh, performance anxieties, all kinds of experiences that they struggle with. So yeah, so welcome. We're here with Dr. Paige Roberts of Paige Roberts Performance Neuro Training LLC in Bellevue, Washington. Um, and I got to hear just a little bit about her work with athletes um, of all levels and ages when I was at the Brain Spotting International Conference in Boulder last July. So like two COVID waves ago, <laughs> it feels like that conference almost didn't even happen. It was just this little blip in time. Um, But Paige is a um, a PhD in medicine, a licensed independent clinical social worker in Washington, a licensed clinical social worker in Colorado, a certified light therapist, and a sports and fitness enthusiast. She uses a process called performance neurotraining, which is a combination of sports psychology, brain spotting, and hot and cold photobiomodulation laser light therapy. Her current practice philosophy combines a variety of techniques, including clinical social work, exercise and neuroscience, and health and wellness lifestyle coaching. Through this process, she provides sports injury intensive recovery sessions and sports and life performance coaching, 
She sees athlete individuals in person in the greater Seattle, Washington area, and has been working with individuals, athletes all over the world via telehealth for the last eight years. So way before the pandemic. Um, so, and uh, Paige, I wanna thank you so much for volunteering to do this with me. Yeah, of course, I was excited. Yeah. Any, any chance that I can talk about sports and marine spotting, I take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So um, I, I wanted to invite you to share any other background or information about the work that you do um, that we, that you, we don't want to miss. Okay, yeah. well, um, I had brain spotting done on me when I was 23, and I was uh, pursuing upper division uh, education in exercise science at the time, and it really impacted me and changed my life, um, particularly the physical arousal aspect of trauma that I had been experiencing and can get my body to stop. And I've always been a, you know, I saw my first social worker in sport when I was 17, so mm-hmm. Um, for acupuncture to 17, I've always been all about as many integrative um, healing, uh, you know, reversing the aging kinds of modalities. So for me, it's very normalized to go and seek treatment and care in these things. And so when I came across brain spotting, I was like, oh, wow, this is so different. I've tried all these other things and it immediately shifted uh, my physiology. And so Um, That was my introduction to brain spotting and really Mm -hmm. what got me passionate about wanting to utilize that with the other um, modalities that I'd learned within the uh, physical science world. And so just really wanting to put that out there first and the fact that, yeah, I had it done on me 15 years ago and I've been doing it now for 10 years and I'm just super passionate about it because I understand the science of it and I just really am trying to squish the whole mental health stigma and getting people to understand so that's really kind of the reason, the why, the everything with what I'm doing right now and um, why it's important to me that the you know, word gets out about these things so that people can heal because I certainly utilized it to heal. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the um, talking about wanting to squish that stigma, I will say a, a, one takeaway that I had from getting to be in your workshop in July, and it was a simple thing, but it's been really profound because I've been able to use it over and over. It's just the fact that with lots of clients or some clients, it's really helpful to stay out of the territory of therapy speak and just say, hey, I've got something to help you reset your nervous system around this. I know you understand what happened. I know you understand um, what your thought process is, but your body still hasn't had a chance to reset. And, um, so that's something that I, you know, that was there a particular moment? Cause here you are, you've been somebody that always was willing to go access, access things. Was there a particular moment when you realized, oh, not athlete, not all athletes are out there doing that necessarily. Uh, from being an undergrad yeah, and working in the athletic training room and then working with a, uh, professional hockey team right out undergrad too so when I was like 22 I was surrounded by all of these athletes that you know multiple had told me they tried to complete suicide there had been ones Mm -hmm. that were just telling me how they ought to just die because they were in the um, NHL they were the minors and um, it was fascinating because then they would kind of tell me their story uh, around like they'd been traveling since they were like 10 years old and they hadn't been at home and uh, at that time, you know, at that level, I guess in Canada, mm-hmm. it's just not very much money to travel and stay in nice hotels and stuff. So you're like staying with families and yeah. just a lot of attachment stuff. And at the time I didn't really understand that, but, um, you know, that's when I really started to realize how different 
an athlete's experiences and the high performers experiences compared to an individual who had been identified as, um, you know, caught using drugs or uh, mm -hmm. kicked out of school or some of those like um, typical things that you would kind of see with a young adult that you would think would be the pre um, behaviors or signs that someone was really struggling. Um, but you weren't seeing that with athletes and even myself, you know, I graduated in three years, did really well in my undergrad and uh, ran cross country, worked two jobs, like had, gosh, I did a lot, you know, as part of a lot of clubs and, um, but I was still really struggling at that time. Um, I'd never stopped smoking pot since I was, since I'd got in a swim team school bus wreck in high school. Yeah. And I just kind of normalized it because it was Colorado and everyone was like, oh, you smoke pot. And it's like, yeah, I was completely dependent on it. I couldn't sleep without it. Couldn't relax without it. Couldn't really focus without it. It was a pretty thick dependency. And, um, you know, it was very normalized. That's what everyone else is doing, just like smoking. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, that from the outside looking in, a lot of times athletes' lives look all together. And so then, therefore, if they kind of like step out and say, hey, things aren't okay. Um, you know, it's for one, then all this focus is on them, like, oh, something's wrong with that person. And then also it just doesn't seem um, it's incongruent, right? Mm -hmm. So we just think like, whoa, wait a second, there can't be anything wrong with that person. Um, and then there's just still that whole stigma around, uh, you know, with the male sector in sports. And sometimes I think it's even worse with the females of just being tough and yeah. mentally tough. And oftentimes they're sitting here with athletes, they're just like, well, I pushed through it to get tougher. And you're like, oh, well, suffering doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be tougher. Um, so it's just interesting. Um, the whole, yeah. And, and I lost a couple of friends to suicide too. And so that was always kind of in the back of my mind, like being very confused about it in a way, mm -hmm. but yet, um, knowing the individuals, they're pretty sensitive and there's like not great things going on in their life at the time. So it's like, yeah, you should have known. Um, but again, I think that the stigma and thinking that they're the superstar was so high that they wouldn't have asked for help is just too embarrassing. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So well, yeah, that thing about that. high performance, it makes me think of, so a mentor, a clinical mentor that I had, um, when I worked in, uh, trauma treatment settings, she would talk about uneven development, right? How like, so somebody can be just a super performer in some area of life. And if that's all you look at, you wouldn't realize that there were all kinds of skills that were underdeveloped. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's really rich to me. Well, what? So one question I think I mentioned earlier that I ask everybody on this interview in some way or another. Um, you know, some clinicians hearing this or watching this may already know about brain spotting, and they've heard the the little tagline of where you look affects how you feel. But I feel like we all have our own ways of introducing brain spotting to our clients, depending on, or, or even to different clients, different types of clients. So when, when you have people, they see it on your website, when they reach out to you to find out, you know, uh, parents, sports teams, athletes who are wanting to know what brain spotting is, how do you explain it to them? Well, that's interesting. So it kind of varies, right? So if someone's literally reaching out saying like, oh, can you do brain spotting with my athlete, my child, which it's still parents, even when the kid's like 30. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I will be like, um, yeah, what have you heard? You mm -hmm. know, and there's like, oh, well, you worked with so-and-so and this is this. I said, okay, well, this is what it is though. So I have them listen to the binaural bilateral sound, 
um, because we want to drop them into a deeper level of consciousness, uh, the kind of unconscious mind, because that's where a lot of our experience takes place is in, in the unconscious, every moment of every day, taking in that information. Yeah. And so um, we need to drop them into that first. Then we manipulate their visual path, which is um, how we access uh, weaknesses within their nervous system. And the way that we do that is we can direct an individual because we'll naturally orient if we bring up an experience in the body, like a ski crash, mm -hmm. um, or we can manipulate their eyes with, uh, I have them hold a pointer or a pen or marker or something like that, because we need to uh, stimulate their entire visual path to make sure that it's clear from any re reflexive cues that could cue up a negative experience when they're performing. Mm -hmm. um, like a crash or something. So they would unconsciously in that unconscious mind muscle guard and, and get out of their uh, rhythm and their fine tuned motor skills. Mm -hmm. um, I say, and then what this process includes is they're listening to the bilateral sound. We manipulate their visual path. We're also using aspects of kinesiology with having them um, go into different formations, uh, very sport specific, or mm -hmm. even just palpating and accessing certain areas of their body. Um, because we know that the fascia holds on to experience. So we want to make sure that we're getting that experience of any of those uh, cues within the nociceptor or the uh, communicator from the muscle to the brain stem. Mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure those are all cleared out so that we're not sending any signals to the brain to, again, muscle guard or change mm -hmm. the pattern movement. Um, and what all this looks like is they're sitting there with the bilateral sound on working on Zoom with me. And I'm manipulating the visual path, whatever we're choosing to do, we're doing the micro movements or the movements and accessing the fascia mm -hmm. while I have them go back through all of their past negative experiences. It could be life or sports. Um, and reason being is that we hold on to uh, trauma the same way, whether it's emotional or physical, mm -hmm. our body gets uh, all ramped up in this hypervigilant uh, sympathetic nervous system state. So that's our fight, fight, freeze. So that's what you're seeing when they're having panic attacks or the performance anxiety or losing all control of their uh, motor movement during a um, competition or even training. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, you know, if someone's saying, hey, brain spotting, you know, that's what I want. If I'm just someone is going, hey, I'm an athlete. What are, you know, what are your services about? And they don't know what brain spotting is. Then I start with, well, I do things a little differently. I utilize a, a therapeutic modality that has, um, you know, four, at, four different types of therapies or multiple different aspects of therapies combined into it. It's a very newer modality. So we actually uh, do aspects of focused mindfulness, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing, uh, somatic experience and uh, hypnotherapy, and then a little bit of neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. And I'm just like, well, what that means is that we go into an altered state and we allow for you to go back through and reprocess, desensitize, and rewrite uh, neuropathways because in your current reality, you could be getting activated or triggered by things that are similar to something that's happened in the past. And so we need to go back in there and reprocess these things fully and allow for all the feelings and every area of your body, which is holding on to this because our fascia holds on to experience. Um, we can get rid of that and reprocess that so that our current reality, we are not getting as activated and triggered by things. Um, our entire 
uh, way that we're perceiving the world currently is based off our past experience. And then over time, what that does when we're working together is it deregulates your amygdala, so your alarm in your brain and body to get you to get into the sympathetic nervous system. That's your fight, fight, freeze area where we're talking about anxiety, can't sleep well, anger, ruminating, um, even just your body having like heart uh, palpations, that sympathetic nervous system state. So we're trying to get you out of there because we start living there um, once all this stuff starts to accumulate in our nervous system. So we want to drop you back down to that parasympathetic nervous system. And that's what we can do with this. We strengthen your vagus nerve, which allows for all of our organ systems to uh, function properly. And in that calmer parasympathetic nervous system state, which is more our relax and recovery. Um, and then the flow state lies right above that. And so that's where we can get you. So that's kind of, and then if people talk about having mental health symptoms, mm -hmm. I'll talk a little very like specifically like, yeah, that's sympathetic nervous system or that's this, this, this. We get these symptoms and they become more um, impairing in our life over time from nervous system dysregulation. And so again, going back and reprocessing the past uh, will clear up the majority of them or decrease their intensity. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's always a time and a place for medication. I, I don't want anyone to ever think that, you know, I'm because I am very holistic um, and brain spotting is very holistic modality. I've had people get off medication, all of these things, but um, sometimes people's brain chemistry is the way that it is. And I actually do this pure genomics um, software where we put in the 23andMe stuff and really look at to see and make sure that someone doesn't have a deficit before you sit there and- Oh, nice. Yeah, so, and I've been really- encouraged by that. And I just hated that there's still such a mental stigma, even on medication. It's kind of ridiculous when, um, I work in an area with a lot of high performers and, you know, neurodiverse, which I'm very neurodiverse. I've got mm -hmm. the ADD gene or the, uh, Osberger gene and all those things. And I'm dyslexic. And so what's kind of cool though, is that when you get to look at your genes, you think like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's this dopamine channel. Oh, that's the COMT. That's this is this. And so it's kind of um, liberating in a way because your whole life when people are uh, telling you your behavior isn't okay, mm -hmm. and then you look at the thing, you're like, well, yeah, but that's just the way I am. I'm wired that way. Literally. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and it's freeing for my teenage clients and, and even adults, you know, when they've sat there and just been like, oh, wow, yeah, I knew I was ADD. Everyone always used to shame me. It's like, yeah, well, you're neurodiverse. Right, um, right. Yeah. So long spiel, I guess, of someone who knows what brain spotting is, someone who doesn't, just kind of yeah. what I'm doing with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. That's really helpful. And it sounds too like, <clears throat> like some of it too, is when you're talking to athletes, there's pieces that things that they already know, right? From years of like, when you're talking about flow psychology or whatever, maybe a person on the street who's not a high performer might not have heard of that, but athletes often have, right? Is that, yes. Yeah they know their flow flow feels good. And that's when you're pretty unstoppable. It was, you know, you had no physiology. Um, cause in sports psychology, we talk about cognitive anxiety and arousal mm -hmm. and, you know, and David Grand, one of his first things that he was written up in, I guess it was like 2009 when it comes to sports psychology, besides his book, of course, that he wrote and some of those yeah. things, but, um, it was all in arousal control and performance anxiety and yeah. talking about brain spotting that way. Um, cause not many things can do, you know, like 
we talk about mental conditioning tools like breath work and humming and whistling and laughing yeah. and um, those things can trigger that parasympathetic, but really with the brain spotting, it's like you could, I, I have my athletes. So I guess that's another tool that I have them do. I have them listen to their bilateral sound and pump themselves up into their zone spot yeah. um, before competition. And then each day after training, um, or even just a negative experience at school or mm-hmm. on the course, I have them throw on their, uh, bilateral sounds and kind of talk their way through it. Um, to make sure that we're not accumulating more, right? We got to constantly right. clearing that trauma reservoir of experience. Um, yeah. And this, and I actually, I have to confess, I still haven't even sat down to, to use it or listen to it, but I got the bilateral sound that you have on your website. It's very specific, right? I mean, it's not, it's heavily researched. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it's the bilateral, like David Grand came up because that came up with, you know, like David Grand saw that people uh, process deeper with the bilateral on when he was working with EMDR. And of course, most people are super resistant to new things and everything. So he's like, all right, well, they're not interested in this. Um, I think it's genius and amazing because of course he was trained in hypnotherapy and so on. So he understood that, hey, we need to drop someone into that mm-hmm. deeper um, brain functioning, essentially subcortex. But Nonetheless, so it's got David's aspect of the bilateral, which is going yeah. back and forth as if it's panning through, mm-hmm. um, not just sound, sound. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's going all the way through. Yeah. That matters. Cause that's like the metrodome. That's like the hypnotherapy cadence aspect. Gotcha. But then I have uh, binaural frequencies. So binaural frequencies, um, these are all in D tone. So they're the noise and then there's the solfagio and the Fibonacci. And so what they found is that, you know, every tissue has a resonant frequency and resonance, resonance, resonance frequency. And so mm-hmm. Paul Noyager, he was one of the first to really start messing around with um, the ortho or the orca, auricular, there we go, mm-hmm. auricular, um, like acupuncture, where there's the whole, like, uh, it's like a fetal positioned baby in your whole ear so you can treat every single organ and so on by just doing the acupuncture in the ear and so he started realizing that each level the ectoderm mesoderm and endoderm all have different frequencies and so they're all accessible but he also realized that you know like most of our organs have the same uh, tissue frequency in them Um, all of our muscles have the same tissue frequency of course right they're all the same tissue Mm-hmm. So he started to realize that certain frequencies, um, those resonant frequencies, we can bring them back up to optimal frequency by applying another frequency to the tissue, um, which we sh- everything is energy. It's all, we're all just mm-hmm. moving in time. It's like vibrations. It's all the, of course, Albert Einstein work for years that we're all just frequency, but nonetheless, so noises are all in D tone. Okay. And so they're D tones singing bowls there's um with the like solfagio he's got the didgeridoo and he's got all sorts of the gongs all of those things are very much the proper um note uh and then frequency so it's the note and then frequency combined that Mm -hmm. makes up those the solfagio ones i kind of talk about reconnecting to the earth but they they have studied that the solfagio sounds are the same in the same tone and uh, note is the Gregorian monk chanting. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So it's like kind of ancient wisdom. Yeah. And then Fibonacci's all the um, 
So everything in nature is balanced. And so it is a balanced as if, if you made a song or made music, or, or you can even do other frequency things like lights also, lights also do different pattern frequency, but um, as if it's the perfect pattern in, um, you know, science. So that's what Fibonacci is. So it's the perfect balanced pattern. Oh, wow. So what that does is when we listen to it, it is going to tell every single cell in our body to go back into its patterned DNA. Um, frequency. Sort of like a, a reboot or reset. Yeah. So Fibonacci, you'll, you know, if you Google around and kind of look at those things, uh-huh. it's interesting. And there's a ton of, um, you know, their audio visual entrainment kind of engineers, sound engineers, many uh, musicians know what we're talking about, you know, yeah. um, it's just all kind of fascinating, but I learned about it a lot is. of that with the frequency medicine of, within my PhD for one, because it was integrative medicine. And just, we looked at how all of the medicines work together, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was cool. But I also learned about it with the light therapy stuff. So uh, the frequency medicine, it just, I love it. I do so much of it. I mean, I do my ionic foot bath. I do my audio visual treatment. I do my photobiomodulation. I've got my pads right here. I've got my rife machine. Uh, yeah. I love the singing bowls, like all of it. Um, acupuncture, of course, because that's what that, that is. It's sending a frequency into your nerves to uh, cause a reaction frequency. So a greater yeah. frequency going to those areas. So oh, very cool. Uh, love it. Yeah. So the so the area of your specific research was what? Um basically the athletes recovering from brain yeah. sweating. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've had several skiers that I wrote out about um, that had a significant increase in their sports performance. Mm-hmm. And then I've also seen it's different topics, though, when it comes to head injuries, um, the other area that I've done a lot on and need to, I need to send these things off and like actually try to publish more. Um, I have too mm-hmm. much, too much case study sitting around. Um, but when it comes to the QEG brain scans that I do, Mm-hmm. Seeing the audio, visual, and physical reaction time increase from a brain spotting session. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Meaning it increases uh, the brain activity throughout the brain in a more positive pattern, not just hyper active yeah. in certain areas. And then also when we talk about the P300, so you hear a sound and it's like how quickly you're hearing the sound and like clicking a mouse. Mm. So, um, and then also visually, there's a cueing for that too, where you're seeing lines and how quickly you're hitting the mouse. Um, That's huge, right? That's your entire brain, cognitive functioning, the speed, that's everything, that's your life. And so to be able to increase that or decrease the times and increase your uh, rate and, yeah, it's just kind of unreal. And it's weird to me again, you know, when we sit here and talk about, it's just last night I was going back through it of just like, okay, we've all known that psychotherapy is effective. We all know that doing all these things, like this is just exhausting anymore. The quick, the more and more and more science you get with this stuff, yeah, you actually feel more exhausted trying to convince people, even the photobiomodulation, there's 5,500 peer reviewed studies and people are like, I don't know about that. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I'm think, sitting here thinking about how, when I, so when times that I've worked with athletes with brain spotting, 
even though, even when just like, because I was working in a trauma treatment center and we had somebody there and they came to me right. or whatever, it's not that it's been a specialty of mine exactly, the brain spotting is, but not the athletes necessarily, but they are really fun to do brain spotting with because to me, because they're already so aware of their, they're used to paying attention to their bodies. Mm-hmm. So if you say, okay, notice what happens here and track that, they will do that and not get in the way with their thinking quite as much. Um, I mean, I know that's not 100% always true, but to a large degree, I found that they could find their bodies and stick with their bodies and allow the process to work. And I just, go ahead. Well, that's kind of the thing. So it's like, I generally talk to the parents first, like I said, it's kind of humorous. Then I'm like, okay, well, text me their email. This is coaching, blah, blah. You know, if I see that they've got a mental illness, we got to refer out. Like I do the kind of spiel with the mom and I'm like, all right, well, send them their you know, a little pack, <laughs> packet to sign and this and that. And so we're rolling because they'll need a session that night or something. That's just urgency with people and athletes. And yeah, well, then I get on with the kids and it's just like, all right, you got your sounds. Yeah, I got them. Like, okay, put those in. And so I can still hear you. It's like, yep. So you can still hear me. And I mean, like get online and it's just fascinating. Cause right away, you know, you're telling them, I'm like, all right, I want you to tell me about all your crashes. You're going to be listening to that. We're going to get a pin. I'm going to have you direct as to where you feel that last crash where you were knocked unconscious and broke your nose and where you feel that the most in your body that oh no moment that was terrible that's scary and so it's like you're having them just literally find their own spot immediately we're jumping right into it that's within the first two minutes yes they don't even know who I am I don't even know if they care um (laughs) because they want what they want they want their they want to do well at that competition in the next two days right um so yeah so right away they'll just be like uh I think I feel it here it's like, okay, well, do you feel it more when you're coming closer or further away? You know, hitting that head, come on, bringing that up the most that we can feel it. And I'm just like, I think it's closer. I'm like, all right. It's like, okay, so tell me, tell me what happened as much detail as possible. Well, this is, this is, and it's like, okay, wait, wait, ooh. So you hit a chunk of snow. Where do you feel that? Uh, feel it in my legs, but kind of my hands. And you're like, okay, keep going. And so you're having them dissect yeah. where the body could have reacted in every single yeah. um, component of the injury or the experience, essentially. Yeah. But yeah. It's that easy, you know, and they don't question it. They don't do anything. Sometimes um, I'm like, they don't do anything. You know, they're not like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. They're not yeah. going to do that. They want it to work because they're motivated. And because if you're telling them like, no, this is science, we know this, this, and this is why. Yeah. Um, after the fact sometimes because a lot of these kids are that I work with in the kind of ski and snowboard community they're fairly high functioning and um are interested in science and some of these things so they'll ask more questions well why did we do that it's like well because when you're telling me again that's the fascia speaking that's that somatic experience piece the body will keep muscle guarding and holding that contraction and won't release Mm -hmm. and let you have full control they're just like oh okay and so it's interesting and then What's funny too is um, if they're just like, yeah, it's a lot more closer. It's like, yeah, okay, then yeah, you did have a concussion, you know, because you're telling them it's like your body freaks out the closer something's coming to your face if face, your right. head's been hit before, right? It's like, yeah. oh, never again. And right. what's interesting too with working with athletes is I know in the very beginning, I was like so excited about it. I had this alpine skier and I remember emailing David Grant and being like, oh my gosh, it's textbook. She crashed and got a concussion. And then the same race, the next year, she went around that corner and crashed and tore ACL. 
because the brain injury, wow. the concussion, yes. cleared, so her body was responding when she was going around that corner. So wow. I thought it was so cool. I was like, oh my gosh. That, <laughs> it is. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and, and just that, that is so cool. Just sort of that thing of like, they're coming in at first, they'll just do what you say. Cause it's like, okay, my parents lined up this performance coach for me. I want to improve my performance. So I'm just going to do what she says. And then that to me is one of the things that is so cool as, as people get that reset, as they get that healing, then it's like the cognitive piece comes back online with the curiosity, like, Whoa, what is this? What's happening here? And, um, and how, I mean, and I even find that sometimes with people who are not necessarily athletes, but just maybe they're dealing with whatever kind of trauma. It's like, once they experience some healing, then they shift into that whole different part of the brain that's just open and curious and wants to know more about how that happened, you know? Well, and I, I know, and I just think like the normalizing in general of multiple different types of ways of healing and shifting our nervous system. Um, again, I get so frustrated with them just like, well, there's this or this. And people look at you like, no, no, I, I don't do that. I've only ever been to my doctor once a year. That's all I do. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Yeah. So that might be the, yeah, might be an issue here. Yeah. I know. But, but I do think the exposure then, then they're open to more, like I'll get people that'll come in and, um, kind of weird stuff I get sometimes because again I'm not traditionally you don't you know my website doesn't say like mental health or this or this or this so right, right I'll get people that come in for all sorts of different things and um yeah just this one client really cracked me up because every time they come in now it's like they're all about uh the aha moment of like I don't know what will come up today it's like I have this list of stuff and it's like I just want to know what the answer is and you're like yeah you know it's really funny because <laughs> they just yeah, curiosity, you know, it's like they had those ahas. And so now they're excited for those aha moments when they come in. Um, yeah, yeah. But in the, in the aha moments, the interesting thing with brain spotting too, because <clears throat> like I said, I've done, uh, I guess it's cognitive, I don't know, you know, when you're sitting there talking when I was like 17, but talking about my sports injuries, I'd had really bad stress fractures and, <clears throat> and a lot was going on at the time. <clears throat> and uh, so I was talking to him, but that aha moment, you know, when you're just engaging with someone in your neocortex like that, you don't ever actually get any of your own answers as to why you're doing what you're doing or where right. the origin of that behavior came from or uh, how you're sabotaging yourself because of this thing and linking yes. it to this thing or this thing. And so I don't really know, you know, I'm kind of like some of my clients now, it's like, man, I love the aha. It's like, I have no idea. Even when I go into tonight's my brain spotting session, because I do brain spotting twice a month and yeah. trade with another sports psych and um it's just funny because I'm thinking about the things I'm gonna work on and I was like well I wonder what the aha moment will be it's just always kind of this fun curiosity um I think with the athletes though so when you're working with young kids um again the stress the pressure's there they want good grades mm -hmm. they want to go to college they want to get on the USGT whatever that looks like mm -hmm. there's a lot of stress and pressure so you're constantly going through that too though you know you yep. do the performance stuff but it's like David says, you know, you can't separate the individual from the athlete. And so you work through all of those things. Um, but it's not as the same as the aha as when you start doing deeper work with someone and they're kind of coming to that point of like, you know, retirement or the next step or figuring out which college or, and so mm -hmm. those things come in. Um, I find that, you know, with, are we going to task and just getting ready for a competition 
or um, have we been working together for a while and then now this right. life transition is coming up or a girlfriend just broke up with you or something you know what I mean like yeah. so there's always a variation of just kind of the tone and where a session will go and that's cool too but yeah well yeah because it you're still you're getting to meet the person where they are you're not just functioning like a technician that's going to just go in and do it's it's like working with what is the focus today and what's coming up and where you are in your relationship with them and I know and just overall activation you know and I think yes. that's interesting too with brain spawning that you know, you just said how athletes are body aware and most people are not. And it's like, well, yeah, because we've stopped being body aware because it would be, you know, look weird or something. If you're at the grocery mm -hmm. store and heard this loud noise and you jumped and screamed and stuff, it's like, we stopped yeah. reacting at a certain point yeah. in time because society said, no, you can't have emotions. You can't react. You can't be, um, you know, energetic, you can't access emotion and like, um, respond. It's like, we have all been so, um, desensitized and put into this little, where like, Hey, you just completely shut down and get out of your body or something scary. Right. Um, so it's an interesting thing. You know, it's like when you're working with little kids and moving forward, it's like, yeah, people are used to being in their body. Um, so I think that's the interesting thing about brain spotting is we're reconnecting as David says all the time with athletes, we're reconnecting an athlete back up, but we are just essentially reconnecting someone's entire, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, nervous system and response and physiology. And so I say the word physiology a lot with my clients, you know, I'd be like, yeah, it's mm -hmm. your physiology. Well, we got to get your physiology under control. Yeah. Um, because it is, it's, it's not under control. We completely leave it or, um, it's running our life, especially as a young athlete, when they're sitting there telling you like, Oh my gosh, my legs were so numb. I felt like I wasn't my body. I didn't even feel like it was me going down the hill. You're like, oh my gosh, you know. So they're going yeah. from the point, yeah, they're they're already disassociating. You're like, oh no, let's get them back in their body. Um, but I think it's sad that we're not in our body because I think that's part of when we talk about other health stuff, because I do mm -hmm. other health goals. I love the weight loss yeah. stuff and all that. And it's really not even like weight loss, it's essentially efficient uh system mm -hmm. is what we're trying to create. But yeah, um, but people get a, it's the same kind of sensation, right? Like of, you know, no longer really being consciously aware or eating, knowing if we're full, uh, not really being able to feel the um, positive aspects of moving your body, not really feeling the negative aspects of not moving your body. Like we just get so out of our body. Right. Um, so that's something <clears throat> with brain spotting and, and why it's really effective for health and uh, regaining your body like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, I am a frog in my throat this morning. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Well, yeah. And just that, that sense of, um, you know, you're, I'm trying to remember who, I don't know if it was Vanderkolk or somebody else who would talk about the cultural cage, right? How animals have automatically reset unless they're caged and how we as animals are in a cultural cage right. that, that puts us out of touch with our bodies. Well, and that's another indicator when I'm talking to clients about, okay, so someone cuts you off you feel the physiology because sometimes mm -hmm. again, just the psycho ed, you're just constantly trying to teach someone again, that we're doing something different here. You know, this is yeah. very, uh, energetic type of uh, practice, but mm -hmm. it's like when you're just saying like, yeah, you know, when someone cuts you off and you feel your heart rate and your face gets red and this, 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 before you even can consciously think of what happened, they're like, Oh, it's like, yeah, we're trying to stop that from happening. We don't want your body to react as strongly each time that happens. We can yeah, to hijack you. Yeah. yeah. React a little bit. And because every time we're doing this, that's pushing us towards, uh, you know, 
death, essentially. We don't want right. to be in those high sympathetic all the time. It's so bad for our nervous system and body. Um, <clears throat> and the free radical aspect. So when you start talking to people too, and you know, the most places I've gotten clients, this is the funny thing. It's like, I've never really advertised or anything. I don't really do a whole lot. Um, but I always get the people who need me and, and yeah. want what I want, um, what I want for them, I guess. Uh, but I've done talks because I love doing talks and I'll typically do talks about mind, body health or the athlete piece with brain spotting. So I love getting people that are coming to me too, when we're just talking about this whole cortisol issue, you know, oxidative yeah. stress, inflammatory biomarker. And so it's just this constant stress reduction. It's like, we all need to be doing things like this to uh, keep our nervous system from getting unhealthy and us dying quicker, getting cancer, right. or any of these things. Um, yeah. So that's the cool thing with brain spotting too. And, you know, and I've seen that measured before with, I had two different clients at one point in steamboat. One was a triathlon athlete and one was recovering. <clears throat> one was young from three injuries, concurrent mm -hmm. uh, Alpine skier, just terrible. Goodness. Yeah. So really high cortisol. They were worried that the person wasn't healing. And then they found that the femur is broken. They never diagnosed that. I mean, like just crazy stuff. Wow. Um, Nonetheless, so they started looking at her cortisol because they were worried that she wasn't healing at first, but yet they just hadn't identified she was hurt somewhere else too. But from her doing brain spotting, even while she was healing, her cortisol went down. It was really cool. Oh. Um, yeah. And then we had one woman, like I said, she was an older triathlete, been doing it forever. And hers was kind of high and <clears throat> same thing. It decreased as well. And this individual had a kind of close call with a bike accident or potential accident is why yeah. she first started coming um but they had noticed that her cortisol was really high and you know like she was at overtraining syndrome well she wasn't really an overtraining syndrome it's just her nervous system was responding really strongly to her training mm -hmm. from that instant before um so that was cool but i mean that's been a while ago i haven't looked at cortisol since um but we all know obviously if we're sleeping better and feeling yeah. more well rested and not as reactive and not as inflamed and not as achy. We know that our cortisol is decreasing. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, something you just said may, reminded me another cool thing that I remember from your workshop was just you making a point of pointing out that e like, even though, um, I mean, you know, you work with all these high level athletes, you know, NHL, all this, but that also that athletes come in all ages. Mm -hmm. that you have people from, you know, and, and you were, you were kind of making the point, it felt to me like you were kind of making the point to people, they're like, hey, there are people in your community that need this, they have kids starting from a young age with all this pressure, and that was really interesting to me, especially living here in the South, where sports is like, sports is social life here, you know, and, <clears throat> you know, it's hard for me, because, as a society, as parents, everyone, we know that we should be starting with these things to not have a problem develop. Yeah. But it still is so interesting because I think that there's this thought too with kids that, hey, if I put them in therapy, then they're going to think something's wrong with them. They're going mm -hmm. to, it could change their development. Like I've had, I've heard all sorts of different kinds of thoughts on, mm -hmm. especially kids who aren't necessarily struggling yet. Right. Uh -huh. So the parents uh -huh. are just like, well, there's no need. We don't want to put them through that. And you're like, put them through that. What? Um, <laughs> but instead of it being a developmentally enhancing, expansive thing. Right. And so I try to talk about that because I really think our biggest issue, like when working with these producers and we're working on a docu-series to really start 
breaking down more this mental health stigma and just kind of the downstream effects of like, you know, number one thing that people are dying from is fentanyl. And then suicide is super high with young kids right now. And obviously drug and alcohol use and abuse is suicide ideation. So we still have such an issue. And it's like, you know, if we could just do some of this expansive preventative stuff, those tracks may not be traveled later on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, you know, you're talking about your community, sports is everything. It's such a social thing. It's like, what I would really want to see is that parents would be like, yeah, we could afford, you know, a monthly or every three month kind of tune up for our young athlete, because we just mm-hmm. want to make sure they're not getting overstressed and um, overwhelmed. And, you know, I live in a very, fairly affluent area, but I've always worked with people on prices and stuff because I feel like, you know, um, again, preventative is key. Yeah. And once something develops, especially at a young age, you know, like a drug and alcohol use and abuse, or um, even just, gosh, just wherever the mind is um, hyperactive, right. it's so much harder to break that down. And gosh, you know, just one, yeah, the whole fentanyl thing and the opioids and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, again, I work with kids mostly. So, you know, I'm just like constantly like lecturing them. So do not take something. You will be dead. You, you know, yeah. it's not no joke. Right. And so um, it could just be this, you know, yeah, bad decision if they're like feeling super down when you could have a couple of years before when you saw they were doing really well in lacrosse or football, um, gotten them some tune-up sessions, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I'm always framing this work again. And, and then, you know, when I work with someone pretty intensively, once they get to a point and they're doing really well, it is on a tune-up basis. And then it turns mm-hmm. into like, and I know like the law and ethics would kill me for this. I hate this stuff because um, they want you to be seeing someone every week and you can't, mm-hmm. you know, but, but there is that conversation when you go to the tune-ups, you know, it's like, all right, well, yeah, you may have to, depending on sign another disclosure yeah. that we began working together again, but um, it's just always that kind of like, yeah, let's just get you back in and keep you clear. And, mm-hmm. you know, the symptoms that you had before, if they start to exacerbate again, if you're not sleeping well, ruminating on things, um, reach out, you know, but, yeah. but yeah, we could set all these kids up so well, just starting a foundation with just mm-hmm. some tune-ups because kids shift so quickly too, you know, your nervous system's just, uh, way more pliable <laughs> and workable. Yeah. Teachable. Well, and, and just to think about, yeah, what you're really talking about is working toward a world where, where people would have tune-ups of this nature, just as easily as they take their kid to the pediatrician for anything um, on a regular basis without any sense of shame or, uh, or worry about it, you know? You know, and I think that, well, and of course it starts with culture, right? When we're yeah. young. And so one of the bigger issues with even, you know, when we're trying to set up this docu-series is getting parents to want to speak out about mm. the systems that have failed them or something, right? Like the coaches yeah. that were mean to their kid or right. um, how they tried to, get this uh, change made or something in the community, it didn't work out and uh, why they brought their kid to, yeah. to participate. And um, it's been nearly impossible to get parents to want to be um, looked at differently within their communities, right? Mm-hmm. And because they don't want to be the one trying to change culture. They don't want their child to like, yeah. you know, be told like, hey, I saw your mom on TV saying how you went and saw a therapist, good for you. You know, like that's not, it's so scary. Yet I have all these yeah. teenagers and young uh, even younger clients and, um, they're, they're all about it. We have professional athletes that are all about it. They all want to talk about it, but the parents are still, so when we're looking at changing culture, it's going to have to start at a very low 
young age of everyone's kids doing these things, just like they would go see an athletic trainer or a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. And then it would shift. Um, And it will shift. Things are shifting in the sports and, uh, you know, our normal culture of how we see mental health. But I just want it to happen quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. For people to suffer less. Right. Mm-hmm. People to suffer less. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Well, I guess just sort of as a sort of a final question, when you're talking about aha moments and that kind of thing, do you have a sort of a favorite story of like, I don't know, you know, just a, su- a surprising finding from your research or, um, or even maybe when you began I don't know, utilizing brain spotting with clients or just at what point did you kind of go, oh my goodness, this is, this is a thing. Yeah. When I first started my practice, cause I'd worked under my past mentor and did like my intern hours and stuff. And he'd went to Brown with David Grand way back and was one of yeah. the first ones kind of implementing it and playing around with it. And, you know, so I did that and then I, he wanted me to come in his practice and was giving me like mediation courses or mediation clients. I'm like, no, I'm going to do sports. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> so yeah. when I left him, it was kind of funny because it was like, I'd been around him for so long working with athletes and knew what he did. And, and um, it was weird because I was like, well, okay, we'll see if this actually works. And so my first client was, he'd been a US ski teamer that had lost his spot after he'd had an injury. So just again, textbook scenario, the nervous system had went into that survival. So of course his performance had declined. And uh, I worked with the kid for free. Like he'd lost everything. He was like mm-hmm. back in parents' basements, 22, maybe it's 21. Anyways, nonetheless, um, yeah, it was a matter of, okay, we're going to get you back on the US ski team. We've got two months. And mm-hmm. so we did 12 sessions and he got back on the team. So it was like, he went from averaging 20th place to getting first and winning that Northern American tour that year. So first, oh neat. but 12 sessions. Cause I, you know, he came in, I was like, well, this is, you know, and David Grant had just published his book then and the 30 for 30 short came out or maybe it came out the year after that. But nonetheless, yeah. I, I was just like, well, we're going to see if this works. Like this is the thing. And sure enough, it did, but every single time when we were going in, he then became part of like athletes like to be case studies. I have a couple going on right now. They like, love it. There's like, well, this happened and this happened. I want to do well for you. And it's like, <laughs> so, but he got really into it too. And I'm like, okay, well now we're going to do this, or we're going to have you stand up as if you're doing one of your flips and you're just going to stand here. We're just going to see, you know, like we just did all sorts of really kind of um, exploratory fun things. But after yeah. I saw that and we went to your selections and I was like, oh my God, he's back on the podium. This is awesome. Yeah. So that was really the checking for myself. Cause I know when people are doing consultation with me and some of that kind of stuff, cause I'm a consultant primarily for this health and sports stuff. And um, they'll just be like, well, I don't know. Does it really work? Well, I know it works for you, but does it? And it's like, yeah, I know. I kind of had to go through that process too, even though I'd seen my fast moon tour work with these high level athletes all this time too. And I knew David did good work, but yeah, you do kind of have to just play around with it and see for yourself. Yeah, um, just kind of normalize that professional development where you have to, yeah. yeah. Well, and your athletes are teaching you everything. Like I still, mm-hmm. you know, even tonight, like I'll have a couple of my skier kids and it's like, they'll teach me things. Like if they'll, sometimes their eyes, if they like orient somewhere or do this or this, I'll just think like, oh, you know, I was trying to take control, but they identified their own gay spot. Yeah, uh, This is inauthentic. I'm certainly not going to have them look back on their thing. Then when we reset again, it's like, okay, put down the point. I just want you to shut your eyes and find that, you know, that activation in your body. And then 
just start telling me about it. And when you feel like opening your eyes, open them and hold them where they go first, you know? Yeah. And just so that that organic can happen. Cause I'm like, shit, there's a spot right there that they potentially need to be on, but I'm telling them they got to stay on here. So it's just yeah. kind of funny. Um, they're teaching you all the time. Um, right. What they need. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned, <laughs> so you mentioned doing that you consult uh, for people in this area of health and wellness. Do you, do you do, do you offer any of the three-day brain, brain spotting trainings? Uh, I'm okay. So I just put out my advances in sports psychology one that's going to be on the first Friday and Saturday of March. And then phase two, that'll be on the first Friday and Saturday of April. So oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's the fourth and fifth, and then the first and second. Really just kind of uh practicing with it all. I will be giving out probably way, way too much information. Everyone will probably be able to walk out and be like, I'm a sports psych now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I just love the stuff. It's so exciting. And yeah. Um, but yeah, but I'm I have a lot of setups. And yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Everyone gets really hung up on setups and this and that. And well, how many setups should I do a session? This is this it's like, oh my gosh, you can do 20 a session. Um, and you can integrate them in and layer them. And so it's really going to be kind of showing off in that way. And, um, you know, just kind of layering and shifting the setups That's a little cool. bit, just so, you know, people can even see how much more you can do with this tool. It's just really fun. Um, yeah. Cause there's no right or wrong setup. There's just certain setups to mess with the nervous system and see what you get. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, so six setups are coming in with that. So I'm excited about it. That's um, very cool. And then, and I did it two days and two days because the three days is hard for me. I just did a diversity mm -hmm. training with our brain spotting people and that yeah. three days kicked my butt. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But, and also, um, you know, I do the consultation with, you know, you know, with people about if they have personal questions about things and getting into it. Like I said, I'm kind of the overgiving, um, just because I want people to feel confident and be having fun with this stuff. So I make I give people way too much stuff with my consultation too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's very cool though. Well, um, so cool. So now, are those lists? Are the those trainings? Are they on the Brainspotting website or your website? Um, or they're on my website. I put them on the um to start Facebook groups I should probably send them to people that was kind of on my list of sending them to the trainers yeah um again just trying not to like inundate people with too many trainings I know people say stuff on there a lot because they're just like yeah. oh, a lot um, I was just thinking I'll go find them on the uh on your website and just just to share them with like the therapist Facebook groups that I'm a part of and you know Nashville where I used to live and Mississippi where I live now and yeah well, we need as many brain spotters and sports as we can get. We do have our brain spotting and sports um, page on Facebook so people can join that. It's, you know, and I think the biggest thing when we're looking at the discipline of like sports and exercise psychology compared to just psychology and people being like, well, I'm not a sports psych or I'm not this, this, this is like, yeah, but any day you could have an athlete come into your office and just being aware of these things doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be your favorite thing. Um, you know, it's, Again, there's a lot of the physiology, exercise science, integrative med stuff that I really enjoy. So that's just one part of, you know what I mean? Working with that, that's not yeah. uh, still sitting here with the brain spotting tools, going back through traumas, like it's, it's pretty normal. So anyone can take these things and um, anyone can work with athletes. So it's not that you have to be 
one thing or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a nice reminder. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, well, Paige, thank you so much for your just sharing your expertise and you are like a fire hydrant of information. So I think, and I love, and I, I really want to encourage people to go to your website because there is so much there um, just to benefit from. So it's uh, robertsneurotraining.com as one word, robertsneurotraining. And, um, and you'll find all kinds of stuff, including the uh, bilateral and the binaural sounds and all of the areas of research and, that you do and yeah any final words before we go oh no just if you've never done brain spotting uh go have a session and if you're a brain spotting therapist or feeling apprehensive about uh utilizing the tool just do it uh the client has no idea what to expect so just create that healing environment and allowing for and then amazing things will happen great thank you so much yes And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Brainspotting Mississippi. If you want to be able to catch future interviews with helpers who are doing wonderful work in the arena of healing and creative expansion via Brainspotting, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who share those interests. <laughs>